All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today is a topic I feel like we both believe the same thing in i guess we're gonna find out we're gonna find out but it's does the one exist that's right this can be a controversial to topic to be honest it can depending on who you ask a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this some people believe that there is one soulmate out there for you to find romantically other people believe that you might have multiple soulmates that you could potentially marry and some people don't believe soulmates exist at all. So let me just ask you as you're listening to this, do you believe in soulmates? Do you think it's like, you know, as you were born, someone else who's a perfect match is also out there for you, you know? And going even further, if you're going to go like the religious side, do you think God made one person just for you? Yeah. My thoughts on this have really developed over the past six months as I've been thinking about what is the word faithful mean but we're gonna get into that we're gonna wow. I, know, I know are you interested now faith there's your hook um first what is a soulmate for any of you who are a little confused right now by definition a soulmate is an intense connection where both people feel deeply drawn together as if the affair was somehow destined to be destiny generally sean and i in the rest of our life i don't really believe like in a preset destiny yeah. I haven't put that much thought into it. So like even predestination, obviously that's a hairy topic. That is a hairy topic. Uh, you know, if you're religious. But Which we are. No, but some some I know. Some people believe in predestination, some people don't. I know. Right? I know. I believe 
life's kind of an adventure and we're all just kind of taking one step at a time, but like career wise, like, do you think you were destined to go to the Olympics? No. What, what do you think? How do you think that went down? I think I was given a talent like innately and I fell in love with it and worked really hard and the work got me there. But I, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is wild. I feel like you can go down so many different paths in life, right? Every single decision changes your fate, your destiny, basically. I think of that movie with Emily Blunt and Bourne, Matt Damon, right? Okay. No, I'm not tracking, but go ahead. I have to find it. Where basically their life is mapped out. Okay. We're looking it up right now. I'm curious what this is. The Adjustment Bureau? Yes. Nice. Where it's basically, it's like this whole movie on, they went different paths, but they keep running into each other. And it's almost like they weren't the original plan, but they were a different and better one. Hmm. I don't know how to say that. I just think you can go down so many different routes and you can make life so beautiful in so many different ways. It just depends on which route you choose. I think with your career specifically, like, yeah, you had a talent. I think there's an element of luck that you stumbled Absolutely. into finding gymnastics, which was a one illustration of how you could use your talent or your genetics or your, you know, mental capacity kind of thing. And I think there is an element of luck in marriage too, but I think it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? So it's like, there's a little bit of luck to find someone who's also down to play ball romantically, right? Yeah. Who's into it and invested. But then you start creating your own luck. And I'm going to go on a rant. I'm going to go on a rant here in well, a second. Same. Can I start? Or you you got it? No. Let's, okay, do, uh, go. let, let's do some stats first, and then uh, we'll share our personal thoughts. Are you good with that? Yes. And then we'll see what Instagram has to say, because we did a poll on that. So anyway, YouGov surveyed about 15,000 U.S. adults, okay? 60% of Americans believe in the idea of soulmates was one of their findings. Also, about a quarter, 23% exactly, say that they don't believe in soulmates and 18% are unsure. So the majority of Americans believe that soulmates do exist. 23% say they don't. Mm -hmm. That's our breakdown. Women... 64% of them are more likely than men, 55%, to say that they believe in the idea of a perfect romantic match. So 64% of women say that they believe in a perfect romantic match. 55% of men do. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know really how that applies, but you read the next one. This poll also found that a person's relationship status impacted their beliefs about soulmates. Mm. Americans who are in a partnership, 66%, were more likely than those who are single, 49%, or divorced, 52%, to say that they believe in the idea of soulmates. Oh, wait, let me think about that. So if you're in a happy partnership, you then believe. Yes. You're more likely to believe that soulmates exist. Oh, I have so many thoughts. If Dad. you're single, 49% of those people believe that soulmates exist, but divorced, 
So it's almost like divorced people say, oh, that, that person wasn't my soulmate. They're more likely than... I was going to say, are they divorced or single? Because, I mean, I know there's so many circumstances, but are they single or divorced because they believe in the one? Or is it a retroactive thought that like, oh, I feel better about this by telling myself that that person wasn't the one for me? Yeah. I have so many thoughts on this. Okay, we'll we'll finish these oh, the survey results. Wait, sp- okay. Among those who call themselves hopeless romantics, hopeless romantics, sixty four percent say that they believe in soulmates. In a previous poll from two thousand eighteen, sixty percent of Americans believe it's better to hold out for a soulmate rather than settle for someone less than ideal. Wow. Interesting. Amir Levine is a psychiatrist and the co-author of the book Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. And he says... He didn't say much, actually. <laughs> that, that, part, that, that, part, that part's missing. Okay. Here's my thought on the one. I think that in marriage, unlike any other area of life besides faith, you are putting the cart before the horse, meaning I am committing to this relationship no matter what happens. I am going to say that you're the person for me that I'm going to die with despite what happens, okay? That's that's how I approach it, where it's like, yeah, I'm all in. As soon as we, As soon as we're at the altar, I say, you're the one. And then I let... I let my actions and commitment follow that mindset, right? So it's not, oh, and and my feelings follow that as well. It's not my feelings then allow me to feel like you're the one. Mm -hmm. It's the me convincing myself. (laughs) It's almost like brainwashing yourself. You're the one for me. Mm -hmm. And then everything else follows. But then it starts to build positive momentum because I'm like, yeah, Sean is the person for me. I'm committed to her. And so then my feelings do feed in too. Mm-hmm. So it reciprocates. You see yeah. that? Yes. What are your thoughts? I think the idea of the one is very, very toxic. Very toxic. Because I feel like we live in a culture and society where it's like, you'll know you're in the right relationship when you don't have to try, work, argue or go through any pain and i feel like you're seeing this trend unfold within today's world of as soon as things get hard people leave because they're like that wasn't the right person for me do i think that when you are looking for a spouse you're looking for compatibility yes but do i also believe you are compatible with multiple people in the world yes Do I think you could marry and have a fulfilling life with multiple people in the world? Yes. But whichever one you choose, whichever one in your mind you find and you're like, I'm choosing for better, for worse, through whatever pains, this is going to be my person for the rest of my life. I don't think you find someone and in an instant are like, this is the one. God made this human only for me. I think that is just very toxic and very scary. It's almost like an excuse people use. It's important because 
it reshapes conflict. Like how many how many arguments have we had in our seven years of marriage? Believing that you're the one for me. As soon as I commit, like, but when we're dating, I don't believe in the one. Now that we're married, I believe that you're the one for me, right? So I do believe in the one in that capacity. But I'm the one because you chose me. Right. Not because you think I am the only one that exists for you. Because destiny or God, like, created you to be my perfect match. Right. That is an important differentiation. And it also reshapes arguments, I think, to go from... Hey, I believe in the one and I'm looking for this person who there's just harmony with and we we like resonate with each other so well and we play off each other. Or, and a conflict is a hurdle to me making that uh argument to myself and convincing myself that this person is the perfect match for me. Now arguments, as soon as we're married and I choose you to be my one, just are like, hey, this is part of the ride. And this is no big deal. It it changes it from we're arguing because in the back of my mind I have doubt that he's actually my person to we're arguing, we're going to figure this out. It minimizes that argument. Yes. And that's where I say it's like toxic because if you wander around this world dating people and you have this long list that we've talked about of this person needs to be X, Y, and Z and you're just unable to find someone out there... Be, in your mind, you're like, I know they're there. There's that one person I need to find who will be absolutely perfect. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to find a spouse that is absolutely perfect. It's not possible. We are all human and we live in a corrupt world. It's so fascinating because I th- like, I think of our marriage and I appreciate more now than ever the fact that every day it's important for me to try to wake up and say, Hey, I'm not sure if the one exists. I'm going to, I'm going to act like it doesn't so that Sean, I earn Sean's love. Not that I need to, but like I earn Sean's love and I show her that I love her because there is no perfect match that like, it just happens coincidentally. But resting assured that like my choices then make you my one so going off of that if you and i are both saying the same thing which is we don't really believe that the one exists do you believe that love is then a choice or is love an innate feeling that you only feel with the perfect person i think there's different shades of love right lust is like a feeling Right. Yes. You can look at someone and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm attracted. And you've never felt that except for looking at me. Only you, baby. Ever. You're the apple of my eye. Same, baby. So that's one shade of love, right? Yes. Because the physical aspect does play into marriage. But I think what overshadows that completely is this idea of to know is to love. Yes. And to know somebody takes work and effort and dedication and commitment and that's a choice so i do think love is a choice there's so much sacrifice like every day it's like all right yeah i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do what it takes for sean today well and you and i have talked about this a lot 
where I think there's a difference between if you're listening and you're newlywed or newly dating and you have that lust, you have that fire of like, oh, they could do nothing wrong. Well, we're 10 years in and we're kind of past that. I still look at you and I'm like, holy crap. Like I was sitting in the car as you're trying to shove your feet into your shoes today. And I was like, I was smitten. I was like, that's my guy. But that's a cho- that's a choice, right? But what I was going to say is I have learned firsthand over the seven years we've been married, 10 years together, of like you can get into these rhythms where you either wake up every day and choose to only focus on the negative, on the things that make us rub and the things that make us argue and the things that we disagree on and the fact that you put your shoes on the table or whatever it is. And if you wake up every day continually focusing on that, you will very quickly fall out of love with someone. Or or you can choose to wake up every day and look at your spouse and be like, I am smitten with that person. Because you're making that choice to see the positive. And Andrew and I talked about this before. The repetitions of that create this love of such appreciation and respect that you do see flaws, absolutely, but it makes the flaws more minimal, whereas like the pros are larger. We, we read in our morning devotion the other day, like I see who Sean is becoming now, and that excites me more than whatever flaw Sean has. So it's like my my perspective is now I'm so excited about who Sean is becoming and these little flaws are just hurdles for us to get there. I could see, say we go through a really rough patch for a long time. Those flaws get exaggerated mm-hmm. and, and amplified. And then I, I could lose sight of who you're becoming, right? And only have visibility on your flaws. That's the only thing I could see. So it's like, it is a really fragile thing, maintaining that positive momentum that spirit of generosity towards each mm-hmm. other of like, oh, Sean messed up, but she didn't mean to. She's going to do better next time. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's really fragile. Well, and it's really hard to come back from a path that you take where you start thinking or questioning your choice and your person. Kind of like we were saying, we don't believe that there there's only one person out there. But we believe that after you make a choice, that is the only person for you. Does that make sense? That's what I'm yeah, the 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 feelings follow the commitment. Yeah. I didn't start dating you and I didn't agree to marry you because I thought you were the only person that I could ever be with and be happy. But the day that I said I do, I said, I'm going to figure out how to make this work for the rest of our lives. No matter what. You're gonna you're gonna make me the one. I'm gonna make you the one right. and the only one for me. Because if you start going down this road in your mind, kinda like I was saying, if you start If you wake up every day looking at flaws, you start going down this path of questioning and of doubt and of resentment. And all of that builds to this, well, I bet there's a better person out there. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships. I agree, and therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with a therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. 
BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from Skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft, and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. Mm -hmm. It's like we're all so pliable and moldable and we all want to like serve each other. (laughs) If you just operate under that, and you're like, how can I be a better person for you? It usually works out pretty well. You're preaching today and you're verbalizing this much i I wanted to do this show and now i can't formalize my thoughts (laughs) but it is it's like dating it's this really fun sampling period of like oh hey could i spend 50 years with that person could i spend 48 years with that person you know however long your marriage lasts until they close the coffin on you it's like sampling 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 you're never going to find a perfect choice and i think sean and i have grown into being advocates for like moving forward with getting engaged and getting married after a reasonable period of time. Like once you kind of know whatever 60% of who someone is, I don't know how you measure that, but like once you have a grasp on how someone operates, how they make decisions, where they place their values, what their priorities are, then it's like, all right, if you're comfortable with that and they get along with your friends and your family likes them, just go ahead and get married because it's like you plant as soon as you plant your flag and say this person's for me your mind shift ships i feel like i feel like you shift from the sampling period of like oh hey do those flaws annoy me too much or is that too bad am i going to be able to deal with that to focus being all right let's freaking go you're my mm-hmm. teammate we're going to ride or die mhm let's go well and you and I have talked about this before. I think that's where a lot of couples go wrong who decide to get engaged or they're seriously dating with this idea that they're going to get married, but they keep delaying it. They stay engaged for four years, five years, six years, whatever it is, or they date for 10 years because they just need to make sure. And it's like the only thing you're making sure of is that you have more and more doubt by the time you get married. You're going to expose more and more of their flaws that then 
convince you less that they're the person for you. Whereas if you were a year in and you're like, I'm committing to this person and I know in the next 10 years, a million more flaws will present themselves, but I'm willing to take that on, then you're making a choice that that person is your person. But people get stuck in this rut of like, well, we've been together 10 years. We decided to move in together because I wanted to see if we were compatible, if he was truly my person or she was my person or the one or whatever. If you're constantly thinking that and questioning it, questioning it, it's like you're putting so much doubt in that person's ability to love you that it doesn't make them the one. It's so interesting. It really is a psychological game that you play for on yourself of like, hey, no matter what, no matter if Sean's a good kisser or whatever baggage she brings in the relationship, I'm convincing myself that you're the perfect match for me. So it's like it exists in theory yeah. in marriage after you've been at the altar, but I don't think you should go through dating thinking that there's a one that you're trying to find. Agreed. Does that make sense? Yes. So I'm enjoying exploring this topic. Same. This leads me to two questions for you. The first one being, the day you decided to propose, why, why, how did you get there? Was it because in your heart you were like, God brought me that one person made for me? Or like, what went through your mind? Honestly, it's retros retrospectively now. Like in the moment, there's so much excitement about like, you know, everything that was going on. But there's a handful of moments that I think highlighted qualities of you that I admired and respected and loved. I talk about the first night that we met, you smiled like this adorable smile of like, it was just, okay, she's a little wrapped in like all these Hollywood things, but underneath that is like this precious, tender person. That's what I saw in that smile, right? It's like a signal of what I saw. And then I saw you interact with my family and my mom and my parents. And I was like, great, she can hang. That I know that, mm -hmm. you know, in the first five minutes of you hanging with them. And then I saw you with your dog and then I saw you with your work. And like, honestly, I pretty much knew after seeing you once in each of those situations in different environments, how you were. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, great. Now it's, I probably dragged my feet too long because I wanted to graduate college. I wanted to, you know, sign my first contract. But it was all these subtle qualities that, that I saw displayed by you in different environments, which is why I think dating, it's like, yo, let's, let's like do different things. Don't just yeah. do dinner in a movie. Like, try different iterations so you could see the person and how they respond to different situations. Which putting it back on me is like, why would I, why did I say yes when you proposed? What went through my mind was not, he's the one. It was like, when you're faced with that question of like, will you marry me? Will you spend the rest of your life with me? It's exactly what you're saying. I went through this like, archive quickly of all these different scenarios and I was like you know what yeah I am willing I, I've we've tested it out to where I feel like 
in every situation, you and I can figure it out. Mm. And I remember thinking, yes, I will do life with you. But it wasn't just like this blindly like, oh, he is the one. It's, it was, it's an active choice of like, could I see myself working for this for the rest of my life with him? I was like, yeah. It's so interesting because some people look towards what I think are derivative. I don't want to use the word silly because like everyone prioritizes different things, but like different things to convince themselves of a match where it's like, you know, some people are big into astrology and like, oh, she's a tower. What? I don't even know what a freaking Capricorn Capricorn, just like me. Or like we shared the same birthday or she's from the same city or we went to the same college or we both like the same band or, you know, we had the best physical night we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Like all these different things that are not the main thing. Because mm -hmm. like if you think about, okay, you're pregnant right now. We're just having less physical intimacy than usual. It's different. These things change, right? Mm -hmm. The astrology freaking qualities, you read the horoscope every day, that's something different every day. Mm -hmm. I just think keep the main thing the main thing, which is like, what is the essence of Sean? You don't like it when I touch you. No, I just think it's but funny. It's like, You're always like, <laughs> like, who is she? How? What's her operating system? Mm -hmm. and Another question I have, what? Well, I was just going to go on a rant about like, th I, this does parallel for me to faith in re in regards to God, because like I've grown to appreciate the fact that no, there's no argument scientifically for believing in God, right? You could look at whatever and it's like, there's, there's arguments for both sides. You have anecdotal stories of how God changed people lives, people's lives. And you have scientific data of like, you know, why whatever happened, that could explain those anecdotal stories. So faith for me is nothing more than a choice. It's mm -hmm. like, it's just saying to yourself, I believe that there's a purpose and a hope for what's going on. Mm -hmm. There's a bigger picture. It colors in everything that's going on. I think it parallels to marriage really well. It's like, I'm faithful that there is a purpose and a hope through this argument. I'm making the choice. It's nothing more than a choice, like a hat that you put on or glasses that wear a certain filter of like optimism. And it's like, okay, yeah. Um, great. Like the, our buddy Ryan just moved in MG and we were talking about how, man, there's all these hurdles of like, they didn't get their house rented. Uh, this contract fell through. There was a lot of back and forth of like he got the job and they didn't get the job. Like all these quote unquote signs mm -hmm. of why he shouldn't take that job and make the move. But I'm saying what faith is, is putting on the glasses of like, oh, but there also were a ton of yeah. positive signs of like, wait, it was crazy that he yeah. got the job, then he didn't get the job, then he got the job. Like that's a sign if you're believing in signs that he should take the job mm -hmm. or like this house did become available or that school did have room for their kid. It's like 
which are you going to look at? The positive side of things that move you towards a closer direction or the negative side of things? Does that make sense? Yes. I think it's a way different way to live life. And I'm applying that to marriage. I have two questions for you. All right, I'll stop interrupting. If you believe in soulmates and your spouse passes away, can you find another soulmate? Or would your next spouse not be considered your soulmate? Hmm. I guess it would be your next spouse would not be your soulmate. That's the only... And I think that clearly goes into what we're saying. Of like, I don't believe in a soulmate because you can have the most beautiful life with your spouse and when they pass away, you'll have this hole. But I believe you can find another person that you can do just as beautiful of a life with. Yes. Which would contradict the whole idea of the one. Anyways, we could probably rant on that some more, but next one. I'm curious what you think of this. What if you were married and felt that you met your actual soulmate later in life? Would this lead to divorce? Do you think people would justify it? So you're saying I'm married and then I meet some other girl. You think you meet your soulmate. I think the mindset of thinking that would lead to divorce. Of like, <laughs> go ahead. I have more. I agree the mindset would lead to divorce. But I think it's your mindset that would allow you to feel like you even met your soulmate while being married. Right. Because right? if you're married... And you somehow find yourself into a situation thinking this person is actually my soulmate, your mindset is wrong to begin with. Yes. I agree. You shouldn't be putting yourself in that situation. <laughs> you shouldn't be looking around at other options. Like, I, I'm again, you can be attracted to a lot of different people, but it's like, as far as marriage fidelity, it's like, bro, I got the blinders on. I'm not even thinking. I'm so glad we spend all day together, too, because, like, you know, some people don't. <laughs> But Me it's like, too. <laughs> I don't even like, you're it. That's all. I'm not looking at anything else. Well, and again, guys, it's, we've seen this firsthand happen. And it's like the second you allow yourself to not be committed mentally to go down these resentment paths or these only seeing flaws or doubting that you actually made the right choice in your spouse or Whatever it is, as soon as you make that choice to go down that path, nothing good really comes of it. So it's like a form of mental discipline. It is. Because the second you put doubt into your spouse, into your choice, you doubt everything. Everything. You start doubting your intimacy. You start doubting whether it's good. You start doubting life and your career choices and you start doubting the time you're spending like you start doubting everything to where you find yourself at a bar sitting next to a girl and you're like wait was i actually supposed to marry you well you're making me laugh a lot you know which i haven't done with my spouse in a while like <laughs> oh my gosh this is interesting because it also brings up in my mind the idea of like a prenuptial agreement right in some ways where that is to some degree, holding on to uh, this trust. that You have different feelings about it? I think prenups are really hard because a lot of times they don't actually come from the spouse. They come from the spouse's family. 
But you see my point. Let's just say let's just say that I it agree. was hypothetically from the spouse and they're like, hey, I'm gonna just make sure that yes. should something hypothetically go bad. But that that creaks the doubt door open. Well, and let's just put this all out there. I don't know if I ever told you that. The financial advisor that I had back in the day when we were talking about engagement and we had gotten engaged actually breached that topic with me. And he said we should do that? He said he recommended that I have you sent guys, I didn't have much to my name, so this is kind of comical. But um he said you should sign a prenup for like your medals, your estate, like everything that I had at the moment. And it was funny to me. It really took me back. Cause I was like, No, what is mine is yours. That's what I'm agreeing to. I'm not agreeing to go into this relationship knowing that I have my stuff and you have yours. You're saying I'm pushing all the chips to the table and that's a different psychological experience. It of is. Of saying like, all right, we're in this together. Well, and I think there are a lot of couples that we've even interviewed and talked to who got there at some point, but they had to go through hardships of like, here's my side, here's your side, and it causes a lot of tension. I'm not saying we haven't gone through a lot of tension, a lot of issues, a lot of hardship over the years. But my initial choice from day one was like, if I am choosing you, I am choosing you. And I'm all in. No matter what life throws at us, we'll figure it out. Hmm. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people. Are you looking for a short, educational, and entertaining podcast your kids can listen to while you cook dinner, fold laundry, or just need a few minutes to yourself? Then check out Mysteries About True Histories by Starglow Media. It's so, so cute. I listened to a few episodes, and when it was over, I was like, dang, that was really fun. It's made by the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and the Netflix show, Brainchild, so these people know what they're doing. As a little background info, every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning really cool. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. So it's perfect for kids ages six and up. There's a new episode every Thursday, each filled with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. They always want to keep one foot out just in case. Obviously, every situation is different. <sighs> yeah. So like we're not prescribing that people don't get prenups but for and us, we're not prescribing that you stay in an abusive relationship we're not prescribing like we all know there are very extreme situations that we are not talking about here let me make an argument too that not believing in soulmates is more romantic than believing in soulmates mm -hmm. instead of it just being this random puzzle piece that you hope fits it's like there is romanticism behind the effort of wanting to love someone and then doing whatever you need to do to love that person. That's more romantic. And there's more ro romanticism behind being surprised by people. I feel like people so easily write potential spouses off because of a first impression or something that they that doesn't cross off their list. I think something so beautiful is being very open and being like, you never know. And then being so surprised by it.
like, oh, they might pleasantly surprise me. Yeah. What if your spouse believes in soulmates and you don't? You think that could lead to disagreements? I think that could lead to not a good relationship. Because I think people who believe in, one, if you're not on the same page there, you probably have someone who is more willing to choose and someone who thinks things, who has higher expectations. I think if you believe in a soulmate, your expectations are going to be very high for your spouse. And they'll most likely disappoint you a lot. And expectations are unspoken uh, assumptions or Mm -hmm. unspoken like desires desires or needs so like this i gosh yeah it does take a it does take an aspect of marriage out of it when you believe in the one of like hey you're the one so i just assume that you're gonna make me feel comfortable make me feel loved that removes this idea of like i need to reflect on myself and what makes me feel love and then i need to learn how to communicate that to my spouse in a way that they can love me and also i can love them it's like this self-reflection and communication aspect that gets removed it does. It it removes the work, right? Because if you really were the one, you would know that. Hmm. You would know how whatever, X, Y, Z. Instead of it forcing us to communicate and figure it out for each other so we become that person. I'm fired up. I'm also thinking about a lot of things of like, it's, it is an interesting topic because gosh, I just feel like going all in, committing, pushing all the chips to sit on the table is what's allowed me to love you. And it's like, all right, we did that on our wedding day. We signed the papers, the contract, all these things. I'm all in. And now future Andrew has to live up to that commitment. So I might as well make that journey pleasant and like say, yeah, she is perfect for me. I love her. I love her. Otherwise, you could so easily make yourself miserable. Mm-hmm. But it's your choice. I want to ask a question. And I want to give an answer first to preface so I okay. don't like put you out on the chopping block here. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who are listening and they're like, this is too good to be true. You can't possibly have known this from day one, right? That I was going to marry you? No, like... Okay, go ahead. We're painting our picture as perfect. That we chose each other from day one. That, you know, it's just been perfect. And I feel like a lot of the things that I'm saying, a lot of the, the like, when you start going down a negative path and stuff, I've experienced in the past 10 years... Don't for a second believe that like every single day has been absolutely smitten with us. You said the D word once. Remember that? I did once. I did. (laughs) And I regret it. But I feel like the only reason why I'm saying all of this now is because I have allowed my brain to go down those thoughts. The first year of marriage is very hard. Freaking kids. We didn't spend any time together in the first year of marriage. And then kids and then moving and careers and career changes and transitions and finances and all these things. And I've just noticed patterns in myself of like if I wake up 
and I don't think something positive about my husband, it's not going to be a good day. And if I allow myself to wake up a second day not thinking positive things about my husband, it's going to be a bad week and then a bad month and it's going to affect our intimacy and it's going to affect our conversation and it's going to affect our careers and then our children. And so I just wanted to say that and ask of like, has this been all sunshines and rainbows? And like, have you known from day one that this is exactly how I need to act from the time we got married? No, hundred percent not. That's what I'm saying. I think people mention <laughs> people mention like the seven year itch or the seven year pivot. Yeah, I, I I think it's been pretty true in my experience. We're seven and a half years married, and just recently I've had this realization of like of. I want to clarify, people say the seven-year itch, meaning the seven yeah, years is yeah, no, the worst. No, uh, no, people say seven years is either a turning point where you're like, I don't want, like, I want to go somewhere else, oh, or you're all in. Oh, I'm all, keep going. And I've just had this realization of like, oh my gosh, bro, what you're describing of waking up and saying, okay, we're married, I'm going to decide to make today a good day of my marriage. And a lot of that is my effort and work. And I think I think it's pretty true that if you're able to do this in your marriage and have the mental discipline and the perspective and the optimism of saying, okay, I have some control in this. Mm-hmm. If you're able to do that in your marriage when it gets really tough, I think you're able to do it in most er- other areas of your life. Like, having the mental discipline to say, okay, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to, whatever, take care of myself physically. Okay, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to go um, really apply myself and push myself in work. But it's like, okay, it's going to be hard. I'm going to wake up and do what I can. I have ownership over mm-hmm. our marriage. I've recently just had that, and Same. things have been better. Same. And here's the thing that I've realized as I've gotten older this applies to my marriage, my friendships, my career, my hobbies, is that it doesn't matter what I pick or who I picked. I could have married a thousand different girls, right? I could hang out with a thousand different friends and have a good time. I could pursue a thousand different careers and find meaning in them. But it doesn't matter what my pick is. It's it's me knowing the one thing that I wanted to say yes to and having the ability to say no to everything else that makes me the type of person that then makes that relationship or hobby or career the most successful as it could be. It's me dialing in on one thing and focusing on that that makes me the type of person that isn't distracted, that doesn't look over my shoulder and say, oh, well, did I make the wrong choice and should I pursue there? It's like, that derails you and hinders your progress, whether you're talking about progress in your marriage and maturity in your marriage uh, or getting promoted at work. It's like if you're just doing one thing for a long time and just focus on that one thing, that compounds year after year after year. And so it doesn't, it doesn't ultimately matter with what you started with, right? It's like how long did you stick with it? How much focus did you apply to that? that makes all the difference. Drawing your line in the sand and making a finite decision, a sure decision, makes you the type of person that then maximizes that decision, right? It's like, 
if you're a confident guy that says, yep, that's my horse, I'm sticking to it, that's my wife, I'm sticking to it, then, like, you're going to be bought in. Your opportunity cost is, like, fully attached to that being successful. You're, you're laying the groundwork and promising a future that has not happened yet. And that's this profound thought, right, that doesn't come naturally. It didn't come naturally to me, but it's like, hey, I'm selling the farm and burning all the other boats and pushing all my chips in on this one choice. I better make it work. That applies to all aspects of life, right? It's like, don't just dabble. Don't always, don't always be asking why or looking at the, the neighbor's grass and why it's always greener. Freaking take care of yours, right? That's the lawn you've been given. That's the relationship you've been given, the career you've been given. So it's like, no, the one doesn't exist. It doesn't. You make the one. They, they're created by your decision and by your buy-in. I, I agree with that. And I think it's taken us seven years to reinforce that the one does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist. But I don't agree I, with you because you're, you're my one. But It I, doesn't exist until you're married. And then you I better... mean it in the sense of like there have been a million and a half times where you and I could have looked at each other and been like, you're obviously not my person. You're not the one that God made me for, right? Right. In the heat of arguments and disagreements and like career paths and just everything. But instead, we were like, you know what? I made this choice. Now let's be the best people we can for each other so that we're the best partners for the rest of our life. And I think that's the difference between saying the D word and acting on it because you have so much frustration and anger in people's differences and never saying it and being like, you know what? Here's another great time for us to grow and communicate and work so that I can love you the best I possibly can. I'm trying to come up with a good analogy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you make the choice and then yeah, the, the whole future is just trying to make that the best choice you've ever made. Yes. Everything after that choice is trying to make that the most positive experience you've ever had. It's like buying a piece of land and then building a house on top of it. It's not like, uh, it's not the, that's not the analogy. It's so it's, interesting. It's just like, I feel like we're beating a dead horse here, so I hope this is beneficial. But I just, I think if you show up on your wedding day thinking this person was made for you. It's probably only going to go downhill from there. Because if you're going to expect them to live up to that, you know, title, then they're just going to disappoint. If you show up on your wedding day thinking, I'm choosing today that this person will be my person for the rest of my life. And I will work for that. Then I think it'll look different. And I think that takes a long time to figure out. <laughs> yeah. It's like people say marriage should be the starting line and not the finish line. People show up sometimes and be like, oh, I just went through the whole dating process for years and we got it all figured out. But like marriage is really the day one of figuring it out. It is. All right. That's and all I we got. I don't care if you live together for 10 years. Marriage will still change it. 
Yeah, the way it's set up with the contract and the whole freaking... It's pretty dope. Read The Meaning of Marriage if you haven't. would highly recommend it. You don't want to rant about this for another half hour? Do you want to? No. I know. I'm trying to say it differently because it's like, obviously, you could just say, oh, do you believe the one exists? Yes or no. Okay, but why? Let me tell you our experience of you becoming my one, me making you my one. Hey, you're my person. I love you, bro. I love you so much. And we're going to have a bomb seven year. What? Seventh year. Yeah, we're... No, we already had seven years. We're going to have... We're in the middle of our eighth. <laughs> really? Didn't we just have our sixth anniversary? If you think about it, one year is you've been married for a year. We just had our sixth. We're coming up... No, I missed our seventh. Yeah. I was pregnant, you know. What? You're going to blame what it on that? that? <laughs> no, I don't even know if you were pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. Are you good? Thank you so much. <laughs> I love you. Jeez, you better make me the one, dude. Okay. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Sorry if we kind of just rehashed this point, but I found that lethargic. Me too. Not lethargic. Cathartic. Lethargic. Cathartic. Wow. All right. Before we go and say anything else, <laughs> dumb. That's all we got. I'm Andrew. I'm Sean. We're the East Fam. Out. All right. Real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors. I don't think, babe. Do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.